I'm now delighted to be joined by a man who made his darting comeback at Q School last month, Sean McDonald. How are you, Sean? Hi, Andrew. I am very well. How are you? Not too bad, thanks, mate, as well as you can be at the moment. And, I mean, we're a couple of weeks removed from it now. How would you assess your Q School performance? Well, first of all, I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was great to be uh, back playing competitively after such a long period of time. I went in with zero expectation. You know, I'd been practicing for a, for a little while, but really hadn't had any competitive play at all for ten years. So, uh, yeah, looking back, I, I probably did quite well considering that. Um, certainly, my my averages suggest that you know I played I played a very high standard throughout, um, and was probably a little unfortunate in the end. Um, that I, I ran into some excellent performances uh, at the wrong time. So, yeah, I'm pretty pleased with my comeback, to be fair. I mean, we'll go into that in a more detail in, in a little while. But, I mean, originally, where did it all start for you in darts? Um, well, in, in a non-competitive fashion, my my dad tells me about these uh, stories when, when I was as, as young as in a buggy, um, watching him throwing and and wanting to go, um, he used to take the stems and flights off and, and give them to me to throw around the room. Um, but yeah, just just as young as um, you know, having a, a sticky dartboard and then you know into the soft tip and then and then the real thing. Um, as I grew up, so I was probably as young as three or four before I started throwing on on a real board. Um, and just like every child. You know, I'm, I'm 35 now, so it was a while ago, but like every child back then, there wasn't really anything for you to play in back in those days. And it was probably around 14, I think, I got to play in the um, in the local clubs league in Aberdeen um, for Ockmill Golf Club. It was basically uh, bowling clubs and social clubs um, and golf clubs that played in, in a league there. Um, and that's really where I started playing competitively. And in terms of inspirations in darts for you, would you have said that was your dad? Uh, initially, yeah, my, my dad, uh, my, my grandmother played quite a bit as well um, locally. But um, yeah, look, looking up to them when I was when I was little, and then you know as as darts was on on the TV when I, when I learned the game a bit more, it would have been watching the likes of Jockey Wilson and, and Bob Taylor at the Lakeside. Um, those were the days, Andrew, where you had to stay up till one in the morning to watch the highlights. There was no live coverage during the week, and uh, yeah, a few a few tired mornings at school after staying up to watch those. Um, but they they would have been the names I would have looked out for back then, um, before darts became what it is today. You know. Hmm. And in two thousand and two, you won the the World Boys Youth Masters. You beat Richard Dunlop from Northern Ireland in the final. What are your memories from, from that event and, and your victory in the final? My memories from back then are that I realised I was I was quite handy when I was going to the Scottish um, competitions and, and winning some of those. Well, I think I won the under-18 event, which qualified for the World Youth Masters the year before, 2001, and I lost in the quarterfinals to... Um, can't quite it might have been Jose's first name. So last name is definitely Rodriguez from Spain, and he went on to lose to Stephen Bunting in the final that year. And that, and that was actually played at Lakeside, 
um, and then the following year it moved to um, to Bridlington to run alongside um, the new venue for the World Masters. Yeah, I, I played really well to get to the final. The final was held the, the day after um, in the warm-up to the last 16, which was televised live. So I've gone from from not, you know, just, just being a normal kid playing darts and all of a sudden I'm warming up for a, a World Boys final and, you know, the, the, the last 16, the men's event, they're, they're all practicing around you and Ted Hankey's at one side and Mike Veach, um, well-known Scottish internationalist, is at the other side and I'm thinking, oh, this is this is maybe a serious game here, is it? <laughs> it's, it's a bit different. Um, so, yeah, I remember that. I remember after I won, um, Bob Taylor came up and congratulated um, me, which kind of meant a lot back then. And uh, you know, I was probably... I probably played that final in front of about 500 people, um, which was the biggest audience I played in front of. So, yeah, it was, it was a proud moment as a kid, you know. And, I mean, the, the years after that, 2003 to, to about 2007, you were playing on and off events in the PDC. You qualified for the UK Open twice. And I think 2006, not longer, not long, should I say, after he'd moved over to the PDC, you played Raymond van Barneveld. You were still a young man. What was that experience like? Uh, yeah, well, Darton wise, not very good. He he, he dished me out a, a good old Barney lesson. Um, he was incredible that day. I think he might have went on to win it that day. But I played really well to get to Barney. I think I'd won two matches before that. And that was one of my early experiences in the PDC. I was just kind of taken aback by the setup. You know, no disrespect to, to the local opens that you get, um, but the PDC setup was just another level and it, it kind of if you can't play well in that environment then you know i would advise maybe maybe playing it at that level because it's just so good it's so so spaced out and so professional um so playing barney in that environment which was also new to me it was yeah it just kind of it, it made me want to go and and do more events and try and do better 2007 i think the last recorded game you had in the, the pdc before q school this year, you played in the World Championship qualifiers and you lost 5-4 in the first round to, to Graham Stoddart, but then you stopped playing in those events. What led you to stop doing them? I, at that time, I, I was working um, as, as an accounts assistant. I had started to experience some difficulties in managing, working full-time, trying to book holidays to go to events, and the cost of those events, I had one sponsor at the time, Sada Barbie, I was very grateful for, but it wasn't enough to cover the cost of those events in those days. Um, you were paying, paying £100 entry fee, um, and there were two events in a weekend, plus flights for me, because I'm, I'm in um, Aberdeenshire, so you know you can't drive to too many events from here. And uh, yeah, so the cost of the events, the lack of flexibility that I had, it just all became difficult and I, I hit a bad spell uh, in terms of form and everything just kind of got on top of me and I, I thought you know what this this isn't going too well at the moment I don't have enough back and I, I need to I need to reassess what, where my, my life's going at the moment so yeah I decided to come off tour at that point. Mm-hmm. And was that what led you to, to stop playing in local opens as well because I saw that you posted just before Q School that it was your first tournament of any kind in about 10 years. Yeah, I had played, I 
continued to play locally for about three years and then I had decided to do um, some uh, distant learning. I, I did a, an accountancy degree and I also did my professional exams to become um, SEMA qualified at the same time, which was you know, a really busy period in my life. It was kind of like five years taken out of my life and all I really did was work and study. So yeah, I, I didn't pick up a dart at all. Um, and kind of at the end of that spell, after becoming qualified, um, my wife had the birth, birth of our first boy. Um, so kind of family life replaced the studying life, if you like. And yeah, darts never really came back into the equation for a long time. Mm-hmm. So throughout that whole sort of 10-year period, you didn't have a, a dartboard in the house at all? There was a, a, yeah, the wife will tell you there was a board in the house and there was marks marks on the floor where, where your foot indents the carpet and and uh, you know a mark around the board when the ring's been up too long and, and all those good things. So there was, there was a board. I used to go through spells, Andrew. I, I, I wouldn't pick them up at all. And then, you know, especially around the World Championships when they come on TV, um, you'd get a bit of fire in the belly to, to pick them up and have a throw in, in different tournaments during the year. Um, you know, I kept, kept an eye, continued to keep an eye on John Henderson's progress. Um, and if he was doing well, it kind of, it kind of give me a little buzz to pick them up again and and just see how far behind I was. So yeah, I, I can't say I didn't I didn't pick them up at all at, at home because that that wouldn't be the truth. But I certainly didn't have a practice routine or play regularly. Um, it was just more as and when you know I found time to have a throw. Mm. So, like for many of us, was you getting back into playing again? Was that a product of the first lockdown last year? Yeah, that and the interest from um, my oldest son, Murray, who's now five. Um, got a younger boy as well, Max, who, who's uh, just turned three. And, and he, he throws as well, but obviously doesn't quite understand the concept of darts yet. Um, so his, his soft hit board's on the left, and, and Murray and my board are are on the wall on the right um, and he's really got into it uh, he's been following darts since he was about four I would say and, and this year's world championship he, he really got into it so we we had been starting to throw um, quite regularly at, at night time just before just before bed we got into a little routine and lockdown you know being at home a bit more gave me the opportunity to throw a bit more as well and I was just surprised that, you know, quite a lot of sharpness came back early doors. So I started recording what I was hitting and sussing out what my averages were to see how far off I was and just kind of took it from there. So what, in the end, tipped you over to actually go to, to Q School? Um, uh, I, I think I'm probably at this stage of life now that um, I've got room for a, a hobby, if you will. Mm. Um, the the burning desire for darts has never really gone away. Mm. It's always been there. It it's always something at the back of my mind that was was still an open chapter. Um, and then just just from playing at what I think is a decent standard, playing in a in a few online friendly leagues. Um, we got we got a friendly league going on. Um, with the likes of Alan Suter and. Ross Montgomery, Martin Adams and, and Jim McEwen, uh, Ryan Hogarth. I'm, I'm only naming the ones that, 
that were at, were at Q School. Martin wasn't, but they don't need to describe who Martin Adams is. Um, and, and a few others um, locally as well um, who play in the league. And, and it's a great a great mix, and it's, it's very good, it's very friendly, everyone can play. Um, so, you know, that, that can, kind of gave me a bit of competition to see exactly where I was at. And I just thought, you know what, this this has given me a little opportunity. I'm, I'm just going to go and see how far off I am. Hmm. And you said already that you didn't put any expectations on yourself when you went in. But going back into a competition setting and one in a, you know, a COVID environment, which is going to be totally different to, to the environment you were in before, was there an element of nervousness before that first game against Aaron Monk? Uh, I was nervous throughout, Andrew. Um, uh, don't shy away from from the truth I'm quite an open and honest person and you know, I was nervous throughout the tournament um, some days I handled it better than others um, so yeah even though there was no expectation the, the competitive nature on, on how I'm built um, kind of made me nervous um, and obviously as soon as as soon as you're there you want to win so you know I, 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 I'd probably say I, I got less nervous as it went on as I went deeper into the tournament and got more used to the environment, um, but I wouldn't say that I was I was more nervous in the first match than than I was in in, in the, the the days that followed close by because you know I was I was nervous throughout. And I suppose that the luck of draw, in a sense, sometimes you might get you know an, a, a quote unquote easier draw, and then some days you'll get a pretty tricky one. But I mean, every day for you. The opening game was a really tricky one. Was that a good thing in a sense, or, or was that would you have rather maybe a game that would have eased you into things a bit more? I think everyone would rather rather a game that eases you in if you're fortunate enough to to draw someone that that doesn't play so well. I, I guess at this level, um, yes, it's easy with hindsight to look back at the results and you can see winning averages that are a lot lower than yours, but. You know, anyone that's going to Q school is, is capable of lifting their game to give anyone a game. Um, so you can't, if you're looking out for the draw, then then you're probably not going to do too much. You just the only thing you can affect is your own performance, and you just got to prepare prepare in the way that you believe is, is best for you, and then try and produce your best performance when that when that first game goes. Um, and yeah, I mean. If, if you are one that looks at the draw and, and looks for the names and tries to avoid them, then you wouldn't have wanted my draw because if you're if you're well inside darts, you know that the three people that play at early doors are, are all very capable of producing high averages. Hmm. I've spoken to a couple of players about this already, but what were you doing to, to keep yourself amused in the bubble? I was working. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fortunate enough that my job is can be done quite remotely. And, and with COVID, you know, I, I was conscious. I didn't want to spend too much time around anyone anyway. Hmm. Um, so when, when I was back in the room, I'd, I'd take a couple hours to, to just settle down and, and get the day's events out of my head. And then, um, yeah, I was, I was online doing some work. And that just kind of filled in the hours from probably early evening to, to bedtime, you know. Hmm. I mean, you did get through to the, the final stage and... The first day you played Reese Robinson, who was one of the players who'd got a bye to that final stage. You were 5-3 up in that game. You missed match starts and ended up losing 6-5. That loss must have been a, a kick in the teeth for you. Yeah, that was that was probably the one I 
was most annoyed with myself because I'd now played three days of tournament action before that game. I felt like I was in the tournament. Living so far away from the venue, I'd, I'd, I'd been in stage 1A, so I had three days in the middle where I stayed down in the hotel, kept myself to myself, so I was just waiting really for for that day to get going. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd played quite well in the first part of the match, and then, you know, I was going back to the nerves. That was, that was the most nervous that, I, that I'd been in the whole event. Um and I don't know why, I still can't put my finger on it, but I just couldn't seem to close that one out. It did sort of click for you on the, on the final day. You managed to get through to the, the last 16. Unfortunately, you came up against Scott Mitchell, who was in a rich vein of form. But it must be some level of consolation for you to know that days two, three and four, you ended up losing to somebody who went on to win a card anyway. Yeah. It, it, it brings consolation now that you can look back. It doesn't at the time. <laughs> Um, if I look at that final stage I had nine matches I think I'm right in saying I produced six six of those matches were, were in the 90s um, you know if you're producing averages in the 90s you've got a chance um, and that is that is a good level of dose I think we're getting carried away a little bit at the moment because of what's being produced on, on the Pro Tour and, and all of a sudden you know people with maybe a a more reduced knowledge of darts would think that a 95 average is, is just okay. It's actually not. It's, it's very, very good darts. Um, what we've seen in the Super Series in the last four days has been off the scale. I'm not sure we've seen seen it at that level um, before to be so consistent over over four four days. So fair play to all the, all the tour card holders because they've been immense. Mm. Um, but no, six six performances out of nine in the nineties. I was I was happy with that. It's a pity I didn't have more wins, which is what cost me in the end. But when you go through and you analyse your performance, um, and you look at you know I think I was sixteenth in terms of averages. I was sixteenth out of out of everyone across the whole event. I think that the combined averages of my um, opponents was something like fifteenth highest. So I'd obviously. I'd been mixing it with, with some of the best. Um, and, and that is what really gives you the level of satisfaction. I went to find out how far away I was. Um, and it turns out it was just what was lacking was the ability to lift it into the 100 averages when I really needed to. And I know afterwards you posted something on, on Twitter and said, you know, great experience. And, you know, you found out why Scott Mitchell was a world champion kind of thing. And he replied and said, you know, you'd given a great account of yourself. They'd be seeing more of you. Kind words from someone like him must mean a lot to you as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it does give you a bit of a boost. I have to say, that, that match was played in great spirits. We, we, were, we were both complimenting each other when, when we had a big score. That, that was played in a way... That, these interviews that pop up on social media from Gary Anderson and it looks like he's having a moan and what he's saying is that that should just be played in a great spirit and whoever produces the best performance in the match should win and, and let's get rid of all the tactics. If you'd filmed Scott Mitchell against me, that, that's exactly what you would have seen. Um, he picked out... The amount of times I hit a big score to put him under pressure and he finished, finished on a... A two or three dark finish last dart in hand was was just incredible. Um, he, he just calmness personified is, is probably the phrase. Um, but yeah, it was very complimentary, and I think 
I probably he probably tweeted me back because I earned his respect by by being so complimentary on the way he played. Um, and you know myself, I think I'd throw on a ninety three and ninety four average to 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 put him under pressure, but he just he just wasn't going to break. He was he was excellent. And as you say, you'd had to stay in the bubble for kind of the whole ten eleven days. So there must have been an element of relief for you to finally get home. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'd been, you know, I'd been facetiming the family as much as I could, but you know that only brings brings so much um, of a connection. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was happy to get home and and see the family. I left very early the next day um, and got off the road as quickly as I could. So yeah, it was good. And what did your boys make of your performance? Were they following the action? Yeah, yeah, they they, they were. My, my my oldest one, he was he was watching the screens and watching the scores, and I was getting plenty of pictures and videos of of him playing at the same time. I think he beat me most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he, he he got right into it and, and watched it. It's funny. Before I left, he he said, "I hope you get beat so you're home quicker." Um, <laughs> But by the time I come home, he'd, he'd wished I'd got through. So, um, yeah, that was that was nice. I know you've said that you're going to be doing the, the, the Challenge Tour this year, assuming everything's able to, to go ahead, and maybe even a bit of the, the WDF Tour. Is this a fully-fledged comeback for you now? Um, it, it, it's a hobby. In, it, sorry, it's a comeback in terms of a hobby. I, I, have, I have a busy job. I'm very... Very fortunate that, um, and I'm grateful to my employer and, and how flexible they've been at this point, and and how flexible they'll be going forward. Uh, yeah, what I've said is true. I will, I will do the challenge tour. Um, I will add in a bit of WDF if the dates suit and and if it comes in. Looks like they're going to load some some gold events in September leading up to the World Masters for November. So if they do that and it's and it's in and around I think there's one in England and, and maybe the Dutch has been moved to September, I'm not not entirely sure. But if those go ahead then there's some opportunity to to win um some ranking points, um then, you know, I may look at that as well. So yeah, it, it, it's a com it, I'm definitely back to play, that's for sure. But it will be on a singles basis. Um, I don't think I'll be playing locally, Andrew. I don't have time mm. to give up, um, you know, Mondays and Thursdays as it is in Aberdeen to, to play local darts. Um, it's going to be about those those competitions and those tours, and it will be in a way that fits in with my my work and family life. Going into Q School, I know you managed to pick up a couple of sponsors, but are you looking for for more to help support you, kind of? take on the year whatever that may end up looking like yeah um i, I am i, th- I think I'm, I'm you're looking how how sponsorship and how management companies do it today you know it'd probably be a low a low cost risk if you like um if someone did want to take a, an opportunity on me i got a couple of conversations going on in the background at the moment but yeah but based on what i'm what i'm planning to do this year it's not going to be a hugely expensive outlay for for someone out there, but it could turn into something good. And I'm certainly going to give it my all and and practice more. And you know, who knows how much can I improve over the next wee while? And um, considering I've not been back long and I've and I've been producing pretty good standard of performance so far. So yeah, if anyone is interested, then then please get in contact. 
And is, you know, after a long time away, how would you assess the consistency you've had so far? Is that something you feel needs to, to develop or have you been fairly happy with the, the consistency so far? Uh, it got better as I played more. So that kind of tells me the sign is that I, I just need more more competitive games. Um, I think over the first phase of of Q School, um, had a disappointing start and then bounced back very well. And in day three, when I really needed two wins, I, I produced two uh, in the 90s, um, but then dipped, dipped quite badly in, in in game three on each day, I think, if I remember rightly. So, you know, I, I was able to get up and get going and then and then dip later in the day, which which we need to improve. And then into the final stage, you know, again, a slow start, but got better as it went on and, and the consistency did come through. I think day, if you look at days two, three and four, um, there's some really good stuff in there. So, yeah, I think that the more I play, the, the more tournaments that are grouped together that give me two, three, four days of play um, is going to help me, I think. Um, and I think Challenge Tour is kind of designed to do that. You play two on Saturday, two on Sunday. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to them and see if, if they'll help me get sharper and more consistent, like you said. This is only a hobby for you, as you've said, but do you have any goals in mind for, for things you'd like to achieve or are you just going to take it how it comes and treat it as a hobby? Yeah, for now, I mean, we need to be realistic here. It would be, it'd be silly for me to sit here and say, I want to do this, I want to do that. You've got 128 professionals, you know, probably producing the best we've ever seen in the last four days um, with respect to sit sit outside of that and say that you've got a target to do something you, you could just be putting an egg in your face for everyone else to spread um, for now it is a hobby um, I'm very respectful and grateful for the job that I've got and I'm well aware that that's number one further down the line if if I was starting to get some success you know who knows it no one really knows what's around the corner and, and you deal with that if and when it came um, but for now, yeah, it's it's a hobby. It's a hobby that I've I've got the desire back for, and you know I'm looking forward to to spending some weekends playing competitive darts again. Thank you very much for your time today, Sean. It it's great to see you back out there playing. Obviously, you know you won that World Youth Masters title, so it's nice to see you kind of living up to that promise in a sense. And if you can play those events this year and get the consistency, that'll be great to see as well. Super. Thanks for that, Andrew. Appreciate that.